it's, and the question always is, who is God in the story? That's the first question out. It's an, often I set it as a wondering question, but it's ultimately who is God in the story? What are we finding out about God in the story? Mm. And then how did the people in the story respond to that? Welcome to a One Life podcast. One Life, as you may or may not know, is a grassroots learning collective made up of equippers serving classes BC, Northwest, and Southeast in the Christian Reformed Church. By providing events and resources centered around the five foundational callings of the church, worship, faith formation, servant leadership, global mission, justice, and mercy. This week, I had the chance to talk to Liz Tolkamp, the curator of the One Life Calling on Faith Formation. We talked particularly about her role as children's ministry pastor at Willoughby CRC, and we had a wide-ranging discussion about what it means to disciple kids, where to start in sharing this beautiful story with them, and what even is children's ministry supposed to be anyway? It was a rich and beautiful chat, and I can't wait to share it with you. So without further ado, here's Liz. Great. Well, welcome to our listeners once again to another episode of One Life Podcast and another interview. Uh, my guest today is Liz Tolkamp, Faith Formation Curator for One Life. Um, you're part of the One Life team and children's pastor at Willoughby Christian Reformed Church in Langley. Welcome, Liz. Good morning. It's good to be here. Yeah, it's good to it's good to have you on the show. I'm excited. We've talked a little bit in our One Life meetings and. Uh, um, yeah, One Life Planning planning mm -hmm. Task Forces. Got to know you a little bit through that. Um, but today we're going to dive into faith formation as it applies to your job, mm -hmm. uh, children's pastor. So why don't we just, I just want to start, Wilma has written us a bunch of questions as usual. She's really good at that. Thank you again, Wilma. Um, um, but let's just start a little bit uh, about getting to know you. What uh, what draws you to children's ministry? No, that's a, that's a really good question. Um, and I think to answer that question, I probably need to go back 20 years, mm. even a little longer. Let's um, do it. As uh, some may or may not know, my former, my former profession was school teacher. So I taught, um, grades one through seven, a variety of different, different grades. Um, and then, um, I married and became a parent. And so I stayed home with my young children and when I know, particularly when my firstborn was was arrived, um, I began to wonder about how it is that we form faith in children, and particularly my own children as a parent. How does this work? Um, what what do I need to be thinking about? What do I need to be um, looking at? And so I read ferociously when my child was an infant, nursing. And um, I the first book I actually read and is still on my shelf and is a go back to is by uh, Gretchen Pritchard said, Offering the Gospel to Children was one of the first ones I read in relation to faith formation, spiritual formation of children. There was always an element of that, faith development, when we talked about it at, in Christian schools and children, but this was in particular in, in that way. And so that's really what got me interested in thinking about and wondering about what, as my role as a parent 
to shape and form faith in children, recognizing that it is ultimately the work of the Holy Spirit and not mine, uh, or nor my husband's. And then what was the role of the church in that? Where does the church fit? And then, um, probably when my oldest was about seven, maybe six, uh, Willoughby Christian Reformed Church made the decision to hire somebody in children's ministry. So that's how the two came together. So then I went, oh, yeah, I, I'd like to get back into work. I, didn't, I wasn't looking to go back into teaching, um, not because I didn't love teaching, but because I knew the amount of work that it took to be a teacher, at least the kind of teacher that, that I I was before my children um, arrived, and so um, I thought, yeah, 10 hours a week, that sounds really something I'm interested in. So it was a nice way of blending um, my thinking about faith formation um, with my children and then and then with the church. So I applied for that job, and I got it, and here I am today. Very cool. 20, what, 21 years later? Wow. <laughs> so it's yeah. been quite the journey. Oh, that's, yeah. that's so yeah. cool. Yeah. And during that time, I also then became a commissioned pastor. And, and, and these, as you know, with journeys, they take you places that you never thought you would go. And, and you just sort of follow your, the call, follow your instinct, follow wherever these things lead you. And so that's how it happened. Honestly, if you'd said to me 20 years ago, would I still be here? Would I have been a commission, become a commission pastor? Absolutely not. Mm. But it was something that drew me, something that, that felt right. This mm. was a good thing. Yeah. I yeah. love that. I love that journey. Yeah. You're so right about journeys being winding and uh, yeah, God has plans that we know nothing about at the time. Yeah, um, I'm really interested, and I want to pick up on this thing right off the bat, um, that, that this book that inspired you, Offering the Gospel to Children, this is what it was called? It was Offering the Gospel to Children. I would love to hear a little bit about that, because I don't know if you, you are aware, um, Soren Kierkegaard, the, the philosopher, Christian philosopher from like the mm-hmm. 1800s, he actually made the claim that uh, children cannot comprehend the gospel. What we need, what we need for children to get, is moral teaching. They need the law. So he almost follows like the story oh, of Israel and maps it on to children. So children first learn the law, and then you learn grace and and the 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 freedom kind of component. You know, once you're, I mean, it probably wasn't like age of majority, like eighteen at the time, but probably once you're twelve, thirteen, fourteen, fifteen, that's when you start to teach more of the complex. So, but then I love this this book title, offering the gospel to children. So tell me a bit about that in relation to Kierkegaard's oh, wow. claim. Yeah, I think I think if you had if you had interviewed me 20 years ago, I probably would have been more of a Kierkegaard. Mm. Um, but as my own experience, reading and understanding has it's changed over the years. And I like to think of it as Ivy Beckwith does. And she's um, written a book on um, children's ministry called Formational Children's Ministry, where she talks about story, ritual and relationship. Those are the three components of... Um, spiritual formation or faith formation with children. And that's really the way I've shaped my ministry. Mm. The ministry at Willoughby Church, too, is around those three components. Um, So it's in relationships. It is through ritual. So think of familial rituals, but also I'm a children's pastor, so I think of rituals at church, you know, in worship. So um, the curriculum is shaped around the church calendar. Mm. So there's Mm -hmm. things that come back every Mm -hmm. year. Children need routine Children need ritual that grounds them. And so coming back to Advent every year, coming back to Epiphany every year, coming back to Lent, Ascension Day, Pentecost, those are things that ground and root children in terms of the story itself. 
and 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 that's also ritual but so those that's the way i like to I think like about that. it and out of that will come now because um they're drawn into who jesus is and then will want to live the way jesus does mm, yeah good yeah. answer yeah so so it's not it's not an either or as much as it's both but how do you shape how do you shape a curriculum how do you shape a ministry that invites children into following who Jesus mm. is rather than saying this is what you need to do. So it's right. more a relate right. it's more a ministry with rather than to or mm. for them. Mm. I love that. Um so uh, that's really the way I I've, I've been trying I've been shaping the ministry at Willoughby Church as well. Yeah, that's that's really compelling because I as I take what you're saying and then reflect back on Kierkegaard's statement it's almost like Kierkegaard thinks there has to be this. Maybe it's almost like a one of those one of those classic kind of Christian false dichotomies between law and gospel that he's doing right, where it's like law comes and then gospel kind of subverts it or replaces it in some way. But you're kind of zooming it out and saying, yeah. no, there's a deep continuity yeah, here. From the whole is, thing is yeah, gospel, yeah. and that's a great reminder. Yeah, and and just even if I think of the story, right. Um, I've been thinking about this, and I haven't done a whole lot of changes yet, but I think sometimes with children, we should probably start with the Gospels. We should probably start with who is Jesus. Tell them the stories in the Gospels, and then move into those more difficult and challenging stories, particularly in the Old Testament. That strikes me as really good common sense, and I hadn't thought of that before, because we often start with what? We start with uh, Noah's Ark. We'll start, and, with, you we'll know, start with creation. We'll yeah, start with creation, right, then right. we'll move to Noah's Ark, yeah. then we'll move to the, the Tower of Babel and those, those classic stories, and we'll move through... Our curriculum often is based on the progression of the biblical narrative, but more and more I'm thinking with young... So I work with children ages three through grade four, mm. that we might think about beginning with the Gospels. And then moving out that way. Yeah. And tell me more about why. Why, why start with Jesus instead of the uh, creation? Uh, because, interestingly, in terms of what Kierkegaard said conceptually, I, I, don't, I don't know that children have the capacity to wrestle through with some of those very difficult stories. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I wonder sometimes if they be, believe in a God who is mad rather than a God who loves them. Yeah. First. Yeah. And I think that's... For me, create some tension for me, but um, do we, does a lot of our faith formation with children and maybe even young adults and young people um, teach them that, that God is a little bit angry maybe mm-hmm. rather than a loving God mm-hmm. who we see who we see in Jesus, right? Best, yeah, most clearly. I, I, I love that. Most I, clearly in Jesus. Yeah. If we want to see who God is... I tell the children, look at Jesus. Mm. Do you want to know who God is? Let's talk about Jesus first. And then we can maybe begin to understand some of those more challenging stories of the Old Testament. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. Don't start with... Yeah, I I think that that is a great answer. It reminds me of a tweet (laughs) quote um, I heard from... I believe it's from Brian Zond. I could be misquoting this, but I believe it's a Brian Zond quote, which is, Jesus did not come to change... God's mind about us, but to change our minds yeah, about God, yeah, right? Yeah, he, yeah, he shows us yeah, who God exactly. has always been loving. Jesus is the fulfillment. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. 
So just thinking about that with children and starting mm. at that point, yeah. Mm. yeah. As I started my year this year on the creation story. Because <laughs> yeah, it's but, so ingrained in yeah. me. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> yeah, I did, I did, you know, with I work with, uh, with as a youth pastor here at uh, Cornerstone, among other things, but the, the 60% of my job description is youth and young adults. And, you know, sure enough, we did the creation, fall, redemption, you know, story of scripture curriculum last year. And it was, it was moderately successful, but... Yeah, I don't. I don't know that it took off, and I, I'm I'm loving this idea of starting and zooming in on Jesus first because there's something so compelling about mm-hmm, Jesus, mm-hmm, isn't there? Mm-hmm. And creation, fall, redemption. I mean, that's all true, solid, good stuff. But it feels, I I don't know. If you're not already kind of awakened and alive and excited mm-hmm, yeah, about yeah, the gospel, yeah. it can be. It, yeah, I don't know, heavy yeah, or constricting. Heavy, yeah. Or, yeah, and and there's a place for that. Mm-hmm. There's a place for understanding the narrative, mm-hmm. the biblical story, and all of that. Um, but yeah, is what's your starting place? Yeah. Is is the question. With young children. Um, and and as Christian Reformed people, and what I appreciate about the Christian Reformed Church is that intellectualism and that understanding. Mm-hmm. Don't get me wrong, mm-hmm. but where what's the place for it? And our children sometimes, and young, youth maybe, um, conceptually not ready for it. Um, mm-hmm. And yeah. and there's so much I think going on culturally that we can speak into that maybe you know. Understanding scriptures, creation, fall, redemption, maybe needs to be put here for now, yeah. because we need to be talking about these things. Yeah, look at yeah, mm-hmm. and and Jesus, I don't think we have a better guide to lead us through that. Yeah. So, yeah. and then the stories, right? Yeah, I mean, right. I mean, for children, I mean, in terms of Willoughby Church, the curriculum is based on story. I am adamant about mm-hmm. story, mm-hmm. and it's and the question always is, who is God in the story? That's the first question out. It's an, often I said it as a wondering question, but it's ultimately who is God in the story? What are we finding out about God in the story? Mm-hmm. And then how did the people in the story respond to that? How are we responding to who to what we now know and understand of God? And recognizing children at every age that changes conceptually for them, right? Yeah. A three year old knows that God loves them. That's really all they need to hear every Sunday. Right, but as they get older, that that changes and 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 grows and expands. Right, we're already kind of brushing up on some of Wilma's questions, but she she sort of talks about children's ministry as moral formation, and then she talks about children's children's formation as as engaging with God's story. And and I kind of as I was reading the questions, I kind of put those things side by side. You know, what what would be the difference between uh, children's ministry as moral formation and children's ministry as engaging with God's story? How would you define um, those things? Boy, that's a good question. And like you said, it's probably a both and in some it, level. It, it is a both and, I think, but it, maybe perhaps it's the starting point. Mm. I think it's narrow and doesn't do justice to the gospel message if all we want to teach children is how to be good boys and girls. I think the gospel is bigger than that. I think the gospel is more compelling than that. I think it becomes an understanding of who God is, what God has done, and our response to that, and then ultimately what does that mean for us in relationship to others. I think sometimes we forget the others piece. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that spiritual formation is for the glory of God. It's for my own growth and transformation, but also for the sake of others. And I think perhaps moral edu- moral formations misses for the sake of others. It's and like an individualistic, yes, internal kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Whereas if you look at the Gospels, take even the parables, 
the Good Samaritan is one I'm thinking of, or um, that is about who God is, but also about what's my response to others, mm-hmm. right? So mm-hmm. I, that's the best way I can explain mm-hmm. it because I don't want to say, well, moral formation isn't important, but I think it comes out of, it's a result of understanding who Jesus is, wanting to follow him, and then making daily decisions based on who Jesus is and what he calls us to. That gets at, now what are, in that sense, our behaviors are moral education. Right. But they're formed more by stories than by... I think in children mm-hmm. they are, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. That's wonderful. Yeah. And that and that ties really well into this, your first point, too, about how, um, yeah, we can engage the stories of the gospel, the stories of scripture, the, the, the grand sweeping narrative of scripture, like, right off the bat. Mm-hmm. It doesn't have to be law and then, mm-hmm. you know... Mm-hmm. Yeah, so they're in it right from the very beginning, mm-hmm. the story and the church calendar mm-hmm. and all those things. So. And and interesting, the law, though, if you look at Matthew, was love the Lord your right. God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and your neighbor is yourself. I mean, isn't that interesting? So let's start with that one. Right. That is a law. That is a law. True. That's the law. That's <laughs> that, the summary of that's the whole it. thing. Yeah. So, so again, what does, that, what does that mean? What does that look like? How do we love God? Well, let's delve into mm-hmm. finding about who God is, and I think that's through the person of Jesus mostly. Yeah, you know, and then love ourselves. That's an important piece. Yeah, understanding connects... who we are, and then loving others. I, I love that, and that that connects so well with that point, right? Kierkegaard would say, "Give them the law, and then give them grace." Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. once they figure they can't do the law, right? But you're you're saying, no, give them Jesus's summary yeah, of the law, yeah, yeah, and then they'll understand yeah, the law yeah, better yeah, when you go back yeah, to the law. Yeah. So. So tell me, um, what what is one of your biggest challenges in children's ministry in the Christian Reformed Church today? That is a good question. And I think, when I think about the answer to that question, I think before COVID and after COVID, interestingly, I think after COVID, the challenges are quite different. Um, So I think probably a lot of children's ministries in the Christian Reformed Church are decreasing in number. Um, probably because culturally what's going on, and this is not a judgment, I'm trying to just make an observation, it's not a judgment at all, is that it's challenging for families to gather their young family together and get get them to church on a Sunday morning by 10 o'clock. So um, church attendance is not no longer every Sunday. It's every other or every third or... And long weekends and family things, people are just on the move and, and going places and doing things. So regular church attendance looks different. And I think that's one of the challenges. So whereas you could probably have have done a story and then come back to the story the following week or whatever, do things over the course of a month, that's much more challenging now. Every children's t- ministry time has to be a standalone in many ways. Yeah. You've, you can't you can't build a curriculum now thinking that the children are going to be here next week and the next week and the next week. So that's a challenge. Um, and yet in my mind, I do have a curriculum that's that that um, unfolds during the course of the year. And so trying to make sure that every Sunday is a good one. <laughs> Does yeah. that make sense? Oh, Does for sure. Sense? No, I... It's a good one. Um, but that with the children you have there, that it's meaningful, um, there's engagement with the story, 
Um, and yeah, it's something concrete, I guess they can yep. take with yep. them and it's something, con- yeah. yeah, something concrete. Yep. Mm-hmm. So our common church language is a craft. Mm-hmm. I take, I often talk about it as just something to take home to remember the story during the week and, you know, magnet to a fridge, right? Totally. It's just something, it's their response. We must remember it is a childlike response. Um, I love that. But but it's something for them to the family to then remember um, during the week, perhaps hopefully, mm-hmm. hopefully. I can identify with that too. We had the same thing with youth group. Youth group attendance, um, that's no longer a priority, right? It's completely optional. It's sort of if there's no volleyball or basketball or whatever, we'll show up or we'll come halfway through once our practice is done and we went home and showered. And um, and so our youth group nights on Thursday nights range from uh, four kids to thirty five kids. Mm-hmm. And, it, and you don't know what it's going to be until 7.30 when youth mm-hmm. starts, right? Mm-hmm. So across the board, I think the church can really resonate with what you're saying, mm-hmm. that this is just, mm-hmm. and Mike has that too. My, the lead pastor here, Pastor Mike, um, we talk about that, you know, with Sunday service. Like, is this going to be a 200-person service or a 100-person mm-hmm. service? Mm-hmm. Like, it's mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Um, mm-hmm. How have you started adapting, I guess, to that. Mm-hmm. I mean, you mentioned already the, the concrete um, take home, making sure there's something central in mm-hmm. the, in the kids message every week, um, mm-hmm. less of a see you next week kind of, mm-hmm. kind yeah, of thing. Yeah. That you, yeah. That's, you can't really say, we'll see you next mm-hmm. week. It's kind of like, see you next time you come. Yeah. <laughs> that's, see you next time. <laughs> and then we're trying, you already, you mentioned this a few times too, how relational this, all ministry is. So we're trying to do relational based ministry in kind of a fragmented Yeah, and so some of the the ways and and I need to build this as well. I'm just but some of the ways is um having uh cell phone numbers for parents so you can text them during the week. Another one is I'm on some Instagram. I follow some families on Instagram. So I will comment on pictures. So it's the relationship mm-hmm. building through social media. Yep. And there's also where I do send home, not weekly though, maybe monthly, maybe every two months of an email to families because they're inundated. When their children are in school, they're inundated with a lot of things. If I'm going to add to that mix, it has to be very thoughtful and careful and something that they're going to open because it's it seems to be increasing as well for families. That's true. And this is an observation. It's not, again, not a judgment, but the other one is families are enrolling their children in after-school events much earlier than when my children were younger. Mm-hmm. That definitely yeah. seems to be the case for so sure. So it's they're very busy after schools till about 6 7 at night. Sometimes, yeah. yeah. Yeah, it is it's wild. So it even impacts the ability and the no the capacity is a better word. The capacity mm-hmm. of parents even to volunteer as elders, as deacons, as in in other ministries as well. Yeah, Sunday school leaders. Yeah. Sunday school is an easier one because okay. it's Sunday. Right, right. And so if they're coming, they they that one I find actually fairly easy. But when you're doing midweeks, uh, that's that's much more challenging. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah I found that to be the case as well. Yeah. It is. Yeah. So priorities, right? And I and I don't want to. Yeah, it is about priorities and how we make priorities. But that's yeah. we can think. Oh, we got to go back to the good old days, but we're not. This is where we're at. Yep. So, That's so right. this is the reality. So now how do we le- lean into and live into this new reality? Be the church into that reality. Yeah. Incarnational. 
into yeah, yeah, yeah. a broken system. And I think it's going to take time. It's just going to take more time. Hmm. Yeah, that's a good. Mm-hmm. That's a good. Good word yeah. for it me too. It might take more yeah. time. Hmm. Yeah, I've been thinking. Um, you know, with youth ministry, the 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 last two people in my position here at Cornerstone, they did kind of the classic fresh out of seminary youth pastor two to three years and then on to lead pastor somewhere else, right? It feels like um, in the CRC, this has tended to be sort of a stepping stone position. And I still don't know what my future will hold, but I know that in relationship and chats with youth leaders, I've been thinking and praying and kind of discerning this. And I think we have to think of youth ministry more more missionally and more like missionary work mm-hmm. yeah. in the sense that you you spend time and get to know your context mm-hmm. for 10 years sometimes mm-hmm. before you actually know what to say. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. I'm feeling that here like yeah. I I I've learned so much in 2 years, but it's going to be a while yet before I actually have a sense of yeah. where to move yes. the needle yeah, and for yeah, sure. so I mean it was interesting even at Willoughby Church, I think probably earlier this spring, sometime in the spring, I think I counted I had 14 children on a Sunday. More than half the children were non-CRC background, non-white, and some were from the neighborhood. It was this moment in the life of our church, and I and I had shared it with our, our council leadership to say, hmm, what's our context? What's yeah. it going to look like? Yeah. And it's still on my, my radar. Yeah. I'm thinking about that that moment. Because the other thing that's that's happening is that families aren't as big anymore. Right. You know, um, families were six children. They're now down to two children. So again, those that also impacts the number, if you're talking strictly, num- strictly mm-hmm. numbers, the number of children mm-hmm. in, in a congregation, mm-hmm. right? So there's all kinds of changes going on. So, so again... And our neighborhood around our church is growing by leaps and bounds. It's one of the fastest growing municipalities in British Columbia, I think, uh, in terms of uh, population. What used to be 60 is now over 200,000. Wow. Um, so, so our church is going to be located in the middle of high-density housing. So what does that mean? What's God leading us to? And how is that going to impact our children's ministry? What's that going to look like? Yeah. So yeah, now you got questions. things about now you also have things around English won't be a first a heart language. There will be other languages that are heart languages. Ethnic traditions and backgrounds come into play. There's all kinds of things. Mm-hmm. It'll be very it's very exciting. It is exciting. I think it's very exciting, but yeah. it, it'll be interesting. Yeah. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah, tons of change, mm-hmm. tons of difficulties, but yeah. tons of opportunities. Yeah, tons of opportunity. Yeah. That is an encouraging note. Um, it, it is. It's an opportunity. Challenges mm. can be opportunities. Mm. You know, there are opportunities mm. to think creatively and wonder what is what is God up to. Yeah. You know. Oh yeah, I love that. Mm-hmm. So we mentioned Sunday school a couple times, and and this is an interesting question. Um, so often the children's ministry happens during yes. the church service. Mm-hmm. How, how do what do you how do you mm-hmm. feel about that? Mm-hmm. Um, is that a good thing? Well, I think there's just very practical reasons why it happens on Sunday morning. The history behind Sunday school is that it was, I, I believe it was during the Industrial Revolution where it was offered to children to come to church on Sunday, and that was where they did the schooling. Okay, so schooling was done on Sundays, but it's now changed into Sunday school, and it's only around Scripture and things like that. But practically speaking, the church has a role in the faith formation of children. 
the parents do, and the church does. So I think it's good that the church says, yes, discipling young children is important, and we need to think about that. But the discipling of children happens already when that parent, for the very first time, drops that child off in nursery. Right. You think about it. So Matt leaves, maternity leaves in Canada, in British Columbia, for, for at least three months sometime, and then depending on how the, how the parents share it, for the mom, it could be up to a year. Often, church is the first place where the parents are leaving the child in, with the mm. responsibility of someone that's not their family. True. Think about that. That's really, really For a neat. whole hour. And sometimes the nursery room may be like a long way away up there or down in the church basement or the second floor, the bottom floor. And how do I know if my child needs me? And what is this? I don't know these people at all. So I, I'm convinced that belonging begins in nursery and how our nursery attendants receive and nurture children is so important. That's so wonderful. Oh, that's such an important biblical and social insight for our nursery workers, you know, to yeah, really lean like into. Children are, are part of the life of the church. Let's not always just segregate them. Let's mm-hmm. think about them as being part of us mm-hmm. and how do we as congregants, as adults, build relationships with them. That's a good one to press into more as well because, yeah, for my job as well and for all kind of anyone under 18, it seems like there was a move somewhere, I guess, in the 90s of like, let's do special programming targeted more directly at them, which I think had some very, some success and some, you know, some consequences we're seeing now as well. But now definitely the thinking is more integrate. How do we, what are some other ways? That's a great one. I mean, I was just thinking back to your, question about children's ministry on Sunday morning. Mm. I've right. I've always thought this, but it's always practically a challenge. The only reason we have children leave the service, in my mind, is so that we can teach them, talk to them, tell them a story at their age level. They should actually always be coming back in. Mm. But it's a practical mm-hmm. it's a practicality nightmare. It is. It's a nightmare. <laughs> But if you think about the order of worship and how it is, there is the message. That is a very appropriate time to take children aside, have their own, and then they come back for the closing song and the benediction and all of that. That's a great idea. So, but practically speaking, it's very, very hard. So once a month at Willoughby Church for our communion Sunday, the children do come back in for communion. Okay. That's what we do too. Yeah. Yeah, That's interesting. Yeah. 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 And that leads to all kinds of questions too. And parents are like, my kid just feels jealous and he wants to take it. But, you know, it's up to the parents to decide the age, you know? So it's like, oh, we don't really want him to be there because he just like tries to grab the bread and, you know. Again, (laughs) again. So that's an interesting thing, right? So the conflict or the tension the parent is feeling is being pushed back to the church. Mm -hmm. And actually we should be helping that parent understand their own, how do you navigate that? How can I help you have your child there? You've made a choice, but careful that you don't put it on me now Mm -hmm. to now provide something for your children because it's too difficult for you to have that conversation. Yeah, And that's also something I'm seeing in the church too, is that let the church deal with it or let the school deal with it. Right. And how do we help parents be parents in, mm. in, in the full scope of being a parent. Yeah. And to live in that tension with your child to say, this is what we've said. 
I know parents have done that well at Willoughby, where they've they've had their children with them and their children do not partake. They've done it mm. and done it very well mm-hmm. as parents. Mm-hmm. Um, but they, there's with intentionality, it's with thoughtfulness, it's with love, and I just really laud those parents for mm. doing it that way. Yeah. Yeah, and a beautiful example too of the intentionality of integrating. Mm-hmm. Integrating, maybe yeah. that's a good word for our yeah. fragmented culture, right? Mm-hmm. Integrating kids into the yeah. service. Yeah. Um, yeah, integrating parents into the life of the church more so yeah. it's not a kind of tune in when I feel like it yeah. sort of. Yeah. We've thought a lot about that here at Cornerstone. It, it, but there's yeah. another one. Um, Robbie Castleman has this great book called Parenting in the Pew. And she makes a case, and I, and I tend to agree with her, that during the time when you're a parent of young children, that actually might be what you're called to do. Be in the pew with your child and help your child be present through all those, through all the components of the liturgy, right? Mm. But part of it is we're coming to the worship service because often that's the only time we culturally engage with scripture and so on. Right. Because we're so busy during the week. So I come to church, that's my time when I, f- I personally can fill up. Right. And so my kids need to be over there, right? Because yeah. this is me time. Yeah. I get it. I understand it. But maybe the church's role is more about helping parents understand their role as a parent during the, for such a time as this when their children are this age that they are in the pew and and helping them. I mean there's you know we've we've gone to no more bulletins no print anymore there's a loss there's no order that a child can follow I mean there are some losses here there is <laughs> yeah that's that's a really good one to name and maybe maybe it's worth bringing that back we still do it here at Cornerstone mm-hmm. and um there's uh Pastor Mike's son has autism. You probably know that. Um, Or maybe, maybe, yeah, maybe you did. Um, And Nate is his name. And he just did profession of faith, which was awesome. Mm -hmm. Um, Nonverbal. So he used his board to kind of say, Mm -hmm. you know, to to, Mm -hmm. profess his faith. Mm -hmm. Um, But he sits there with the, with the order of worship and the bulletin and a highlighter. And every time we finish one of the, one of the parts of the service, he'll highlight it once it's, it's done. So he is worshiping. In that tactile way, uh, which is just so unbelievably cool. So imagine for a moment if a year down the road you said, no, we're not going to do paper anymore. We can just, what would that do to Nate? Yeah. I know. I Yeah. It would be disorienting, I suppose. Yeah. It would exclude him. (laughs) It's exclusive. Yeah. We just need to think about these Mm -hmm. things, right? Mm Mm-hmm. Um, what does it mean? Mm-hmm. What are the implications? Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, again, getting back to, ch- you know, children in the pew, yeah. there's the following through of, of a liturgy that's printed. There's there's some, something helpful about that. If I was a parent to be able to say, you know, this is coming next and this is coming next, because children do need routine. They do need structure. And and I think it just helps. Yeah. So these in, these are interesting things. Couple, couple rapid fire questions to oh. end. Mm-hmm. Uh, what do you wish every pastor knew or understood about children's ministry? What are we pastors um, missing? Um, I think pastors don't always recognize the value and that it's an integral part of the church's fulfillment of the call to faith formation, which is one of the callings of the Christian Reformed Church in particular, mm. 
it is fulfilling that calling. And so um, uh, how do you express that? How do you show that you value that? I don't think they, they don't. Yeah. But sometimes it feels like um, pastors, children's coordinators that come to me say they don't care. It doesn't matter what I do. Right. It doesn't matter. Um, I can do whatever. They would never yeah. know because nobody shows up on a Sunday morning. They don't even care. Right. And I think that's true across many churches, particularly. Yeah, that's very poignant. <laughs> um, children's coordinators are not babysitters no, for the work no, of ministry. That's right. Right? That's right. That's right. I love that you put you said that faith formation happens in nursery. It does. Right off the bat. The belonging. Yeah. So, uh, you talked earlier about, uh, before we started the podcast, you talked about Robert, Robert Keeley. Mm-hmm. Him and his wife, Laura, wrote the book, The Building Blocks. Mm-hmm. It's on building blocks. The key building block of faith is belonging. And we begin to belong in nursery already. And this so is not a- just a matter of, of keeping the kids quiet while we do our thing. Yeah. No, this is, this is an integral part of how we understand faith formation in the life of the church with children. Yeah, that yeah. is good. And what do you wish every, we can combine these two, what do you wish every parent or congregant knew about children's ministry? I guess we touched on parent already a yeah, little bit. Yeah, we did. Yeah. Um, yeah. Walking alongside them. So what, what about every congregant? The average person in the pew that perhaps is not a parent. Let's talk to them. What do you wish they knew about children's ministry? Mm. That it's available and you can volunteer? Yeah, that, yes, that, that too. That's what we're yeah, struggling with right now. available and you can volunteer and actually... <laughs> You know, um, yeah, just because you've done it before, you did it when your kids were little. Um, again, it gets back to how do we understand in the context of the ministry of the church itself? I think it's it's one of the same. Good yeah. point. Yes, yeah. we need a holistic approach. Exactly. To the gospel. Exactly. Exactly. So so children's ministry happens on Sunday because you can't you can't ask parents to drop off a four year old on an evening. Yeah. This is the best, it is the best time, actually. It is. But we need to think about the implications of, the word I really don't like is, we're dismissing them to Sunday school. Right. <laughs> we're not dismissing them, actually. <laughs> they're invited to continue their worship, is what they're doing. Mm. But again, we need to think, what are we losing when they leave the service? We, we just need to think about that. We yeah. need to be open about that. We need to talk about those mm. things. And maybe at the end of the day, we say, this is the best we can do. Yeah. <laughs> Given our structures and how we do things, this is the best. And so we carry on. Yeah. And that's okay. That's really okay. That's a good, that's a good word, okay. too. Yeah. It's yeah. okay. Oh, I You love trust that. the mm-hmm. Spirit. You trust the Spirit's leading. And that God, ultimately, the Spirit's working in the hearts of the children. You just do the best you can that's with what good. we've been given. That is a good word. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that's a good word to, uh, I think, to, to, to wrap this up sure. on, if you like. Um, yeah, that's great. Yeah. This has been lovely. Oh, Wonderful. no, thank you. Thank you so much for, yeah. for coming, for sharing your wisdom. Yeah. I love this, and I, I've, I, I love these opportunities to chat. It's so funny. I scheduled a meeting. We ha- I haven't met with the children's ministry coordinator. Uh, that's part of my job is like us mm-hmm. collaborating mm-hmm. in ministry mm-hmm. together. Mm-hmm. And I haven't met with her um, for a while, so I scheduled that. We're trying to figure out when to do that. We're going to do it tomorrow. 
And I found this podcast has been so helpful for me because <laughs> these conversations tend to happen right around the time yeah. in my life when I kind That's of just awesome. needed to hear That's that. Great. So it's been pretty cool. So on a personal level, I really yeah. have appreciated yeah. this, giving lots of food for thought. And I'm, sh- I'm yeah. positive in our chat tomorrow, some of these ideas yeah, and great. wisdom yeah. will, will yeah. come up. So yeah, thank you. But yeah. and thank you in, just in general for coming yeah. out and for being on the podcast and yeah. sharing your wisdom and um, yeah, just sure, great. Thanks. Yeah, no, thanks. It's been great. Thank you. On the show today, you heard Liz Tolkamp, the Faith Formation Calling Curator at One Life and Children's Pastor at Willoughby Christian Reformed Church. Thanks again for our chat, Liz. I can't wait to see more churches put some of these ideas into practice. For all your other One Life needs, including events, links, and information, you can find them at crconelife.ca. And if you have any feedback at all, or want to get in touch, or if you know someone who would be a great guest for a future One Life podcast episode, please email me at podcast at crconelife.ca. Thanks for listening. We can lay them on the ground.